Welcome to Business Acceleration Playbook, where we are bringing you the plays that you need to win in your business. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to identify opportunities for growth in your business. So whether you're a new entrepreneur, you're just starting out, or you're a seasoned business owner looking to expand, understanding how to identify growth opportunities is critical. So not I, just critical, it's life and death. Well, <laughs> Critical, yeah, crucial, life and death, however you want to fill that in. I, you know, I think starting out, I want to talk about just understanding the different types of growth opportunities. So yep. before we, you know, kind of dive in on specifics on how to identify those, I think it's important to understand what types of growth that business can even pursue. So yeah. we're going to be talking can we, about. Can we put it into two categories? Let's put it into two categories. Okay. Expanding your current market yes. or branching into another market. I think those two categories are kind of going to, and I know we've got a whole list of things, but I think if we just summarize it and say, okay, we either A, grow our current market or B, we we go into another market. And you know, there's a lot of different ways to go into other markets. There's a lot of ways to be able to grow your own market. And then we can build off of that and you can decide your opportunities and your growth based on one of those two concepts. Absolutely. Well, and I know, so I know some businesses I'm thinking about right now that actually have a combo of those things going. Right. Yes, and I yeah. think, I think that's, you know, another thing to kind of think about with that. Now, while we're discussing all this, I wanted to discuss some strategies that kind of come down to making that a possibility, but also some let's common. Define those. Let's define those a little bit deeper. Yes. So if you're, if you're going to jump into another market, that means that you are going to have to either A, acquire another company, partner with another company, or just start a brand new business on your own. I mean, those are your three basic options when it comes to jumping into another market. And that that comes with, you know, you have to assess all of the risk and everything else. And there's stuff that we're going to talk about. If you're going to grow your own business, again, remember at the very first, I talked about capacity. If you're going to grow your own current market, that means you have to be able to expand your capacity. You're going to have to create possibly some more relationships. You're going to have to be able to increase your sales and increase your marketing and understand that you're just going to, instead of selling to your local hometown, you're actually going to sell to the state. And then you're going to take that same product and you're going to sell it to the nation. Then you're going to sell it to the world. I mean, that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but, but in reality, that's what we're doing. Or you take that one product that you're selling to soccer moms, and now you're going to sell it to grandmoms, or you're going to sell it to teenagers that are coming up. I mean, like that's the idea of what you're doing and what, how we would actually grow your internal market is by either adding a demographic or just making it more available to a larger area. Absolutely. And there's different ways to even do that. So you well, use the example of, all of, of yeah, if you use the example of the soccer mom to the grandma to the teenagers, you can literally have the same exact product and you can sell it exactly packaged the same market and same whatever to each of those. But there's also um, the opportunity to be able to repackage it in a way and market it in a way that's, and that's usually the better way. It's a more expensive way, more time consuming way, but the better way to be able to reach the ideal target. So well, I mean, here's, I think here's a great example of that. And we'll, and we'll talk about some of the other stuff, but here's a great example of that. If you've got a great product for a mom, why not target the dad? Because the dad is the one that's going to be buying it as a gift for the mom. And that's exactly. just another way to expand your market. And we see this all the time. Same thing with the dads. The moms are always trying to find stuff for the dads and they're trying to buy gifts and the kids are trying to buy gifts. So we target the moms and the kids to be able to buy gifts for the dads. It, it's amazing when you start looking at all these things, there's plenty of ways to be able to grow. 
Well, and I think that kind of brings us to what we were talking about, um, you know, behind the scenes in the back room, a common thing for entrepreneurs and a common thing for Maria Daniels as a human is opportunities versus distractions because you mean the squirrels like, squirrels? oh my gosh. And well, here's the thing, right? Most entrepreneurs are visionaries. I know not all we're going to get those three people are like, I am not a visionary. That's fine. Most are visionaries, right? So as visionaries, we have all the ideas, right? And then we see opportunities everywhere. And the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is there are opportunities everywhere and you literally mm -hmm. can create something out of nothingness, right? That's the awesome part. The not so awesome part is sometimes you can get hung up in all the would be, should be, could be's, right? And yep. you have like 45 partially started projects uh, that you've got distracted with, but then yep. your everyday you know, requirements of just running and maintaining what you already have take away your time, right? Yep. I always start this conversation with the foundation. You have to know who you are, what you do, and what are your boundaries. And I know every time I say it, I always get an eye roll, but you have to know your vision, your mission, and your core values. And the reason for that is that's going to keep you on course. If you're trying, if you're leaving Europe to go to the Americas for the first time and you really don't know where that's at, you're going to have to have at least some kind of a plan. Otherwise, you're going to be distracted by all the stars and the sun going down once. I know you got a storm coming up. And um, I actually use the ship analogy for this all the time. The ship part of it is where that is our business and we all reside on that business, right? And so our vision is where we want to get. The mission is how we're going to get there. In other words, what's your product, your service? And then the core values are the things that we're not going to break. I mean, we're going to live and die on this hill. This is something that we will not, we're not going to compromise. That's our boundaries, right? So if you're Odysseus in the great story of the uh, Iliad, and you're, you're trying to get home, which is what he was trying to do, and he knew that he was going to pass by the rocks of destruction and all of the siren sounds were going to be there, he put wax in all of his sailors' ears. So that they couldn't hear that beautiful sound that was drawing them into those rocks of destruction. And that's a lot of times what happens in our own business is we hear something that sounds really, really good. Great opportunity. Looks like it's going to just really crush it. There's a 0% chance we're ever going to lose this. And that's the way it was very optimistic, very positive. <laughs> Zero chance we're going to lose any money on this. And we get off track and we go down this road. And the reality is we lose time. We lose time in the focus and the direction that we are going. And that time is the most precious, but we can lose money. We can lose all, but time, we can never get the time back. Everything yeah. else we can. So it's really, really important when you're assessing an opportunity versus a distraction is to come back to that foundation and know where you want to end up. And if that opportunity is going to allow you to get to that end goal, or if it's a distraction that's going to pull you off course. Well, and I think you mentioned you know, time versus money. If you ask entrepreneurs, and I have done this, um, what their biggest fear of doing whatever it is, is it's always losing money. But I've never heard anybody be afraid that they're gonna lose the time and what they say. Even though, like you said, I can make money in a million different ways, right? All day long. I can't ever manufacture time. If I could, I wouldn't have to worry about the money part, right? Because exactly. I can sell that all day. <laughs> well, but I, I heard somebody give me this illustration one time and they said, um, uh, if I offered you a million dollars, would you take it? And everybody's like, yeah, absolutely. If I offer you $10 million, but you can't wake up tomorrow morning, would you take it? 
And everybody's like, well, no, because I get $10 million, but I can't wake up. So you're telling me that waking up tomorrow morning is worth more than $10 million. Pretty much that's it. And it, it shifts your concepts of money versus time and how valuable our time is. And it, I mean, you can have $10 million tonight, but tomorrow morning, you're not going to wake up. Man, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because like that, that's our most valuable asset, right? Absolutely. Well, and I think for a lot of people, I think, you know, one way to think about it and not, you know, I fell into this early on in my, you know, entrepreneur journey is, you know, thinking that you have to put what everybody says, right? That you have to be working 90. If you're going to have a successful business, you're working 90 hours a week. You know, you're, you're getting up at 5am and you're going to bed at 1am, you know, that you're putting in these like burning the midnight oil type of things. Right. And I think, you know, that kind of brings us into um, talking about, you know, the hustle cultures, which we've done several episodes on that. Yep. So if you want to kind of go look at those in depth, you know, you can, you know, dive into those a little deeper. But I think, again, those are some, some misguided thought processes that lead us down this idea that we are just supposed to be working, you know, nonstop. And the fact of the matter is, is that you're less productive when you're doing that. I need my sleep. Oh, Brains are sleep. Yeah. Everybody's asleep, right? You need to be able to be, you know, productive in the times that you're working. So hustle in the times that you're working and not even thinking about it in the times yeah. that you're not. And, you know, I think that that is where, you know, having correct, you know, systems and having, you know, exact, you know, what you're working toward, right? your goals. Well, and know, that's part of the, the whole aspect is, do you have a system and a process to be able to expand into the market that you want to go into? Uh, too often, we just jump into it. And this is where identifying the opportunity uh, versus the distraction or understanding that this whole concept of it. Um, if it is an opportunity for growth, again, time is really valuable. So we have to be careful about that and making sure that we're not wasting the time on something that's not going to grow or it could be just a distraction. But the opportunities for growth that means either A, you have to create a whole new process or a whole new system to be able to allow that to function, or B, you've already got something. And why not just go ahead and take what is existing, your system and your process of, of you're really, really good at something. Why not just take that and duplicate that or use that to be able to expand in your current market? That's your low-hanging fruit. Absolutely. Well, and one of the things I do want to mention, though, is simplify it as much as you can. Oh because goodness. one of the common things that I have fallen into, and I know other people have as well, is overcomplicating your systems and processes. Because on paper, they look, I mean, they just flow, right? That flow chart is flowing, right? Yeah. But the reality of it is, it's kind of like that, those memes that go around that says, I organized today and I hid it from myself. You know what I mean? It's because I've actually done this where I create like a Trello board and it's, it's, it's amazing, right? I've got yep. this Trello board up and this is within it. this, and this is within <laughs> this, and this is within this. So I've got it all out, right? Where it is on paper. It is the most magnificent mind map flow I've ever seen in my life. But the reality is, is I can't find nothing because it's, this is in this and this is in this. And so the reality of it, it's not simplified. It's completely awful. And yes, yep. if I had 33 people working on that, then they each could have their own little portion of it. It would probably work. But the fact that I have like two, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. There was a famous individual that said, uh, he was quoted, it's simplify, simplify. Yep. And then somebody else came along and they said, uh, one simplify would have been suffice. <laughs> and it's very true because <laughs> you're thinking about it. It's like, if, if our goal, especially, especially when we're looking for growth opportunities, is how can we make this as simple as possible? The more simple a process is, the more simple the opportunity is, the easier it is to take advantage of that. 
the easier it is to be able to put somebody in place and have them learn that system or learn that process. And and when you can duplicate, and that's part of, I know you talk about the <laughs> delete, duplicate, you know, delegate, yeah. all that kind of, but when you can duplicate yourself to be able to delegate out a process or a task, that truly is an opportunity for growth. No, and I, I agree 100%. And I know one of the things, it's a very common thing that is used is um, to conduct a SWOT analysis. And I know a, there's a, there's some other um, types of, you know. I use a simplified one. The SWOT analysis is awesome. Yeah. It's a more in-depth year. And just for those listening, it's understanding what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the yep. opportunities, and what are the threats to an opportunity, to your business, to your business plan. So it's strength, weakness, opportunity, and threats. That's what a SWOT analysis is. Absolutely. Another well, one that I've, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and there's other uh, tools that are similar yeah. out there that, you know, maybe would work better for you. Yeah. Um, but so this I is simplify it and I use, I use one that's called drainers and drivers. Yeah. What are the things that drive me and give me energy? And I am excited to wake up in the morning. What are those things that I have in that arena? And again, you can use this for opportunities. Am I excited about this? And is it a reality or is it going to come with, and you have to be honest with yourself. If you're not honest with yourself, this doesn't work. And then, but what are the dra dra uh, drainers um, for this opportunity? In other words, what are the things I'm going to have to do? Do I have to answer a whole bunch of emails? Do I have to be on the phone for customer service, which I hate doing? Do I have to add a whole nother financial QuickBook thing? Do I have to, like, what are all, what are the drainers and drivers? It's a simplified form that's best used with a uh, coach or a consultant, but it, it definitely is something that you can just take the moment and list out what are my daily activities what am I doing that I hate doing? What are the things that I love doing? What do I get excited about doing? What do I dread doing and I push off? So it's just a simple form of drainers and drivers. Absolutely. Well, and I know that, you know, for a lot of us, you're probably thinking, well, I paying taxes is definitely a drainer. Some <laughs> things you have to do, right? There's always going to be some drainers on your list, but it should Jim be Rowan way more said, drivers than drainers. Jim Rohn once said, you got to yeah. pay the goose that lays the golden egg. Absolutely. That's and how unfortunately it goes. that goat that goose is often way too hungry, but you still gotta pay the goose at least a gold name. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So we could talk about that for a whole episode, I'm sure. But <laughs> you know, another thing that you need to think about um when you're thinking about like some growth opportunities and how to identify those is who are you going to be offering this to, right? Like who's your target market? I, I think your demographic and understanding your market is probably the most powerful piece when it comes to growth opportunities. Um, and I have seen a lot of things that do work and I've seen a lot of things that don't work and primarily in the social arena. Uh, so in other words, social media, um, the way that we used to target and, and social media has changed quite a bit, but when social media first started, we would look for similarities. And so let's just use hunting, for example, if, <laughs> There's a really very valid illustration right now. <laughs> I don't know if I should go into the politics of it, but they screwed it up bad. <laughs> Good old Bud Light. There you go. Um, but when you understand your demographics and you're able to identify what are the likenesses that they do and have, it gives you the ability to target people on another level that are still within your same demographic. And I, I know I'm probably getting too deep and getting complicated. I'm, I'm listening to myself and I'm like, Dude, this is way too deep right now. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I think, you know, talking about, you know, your target market, you know, you need to think about like 
you can look at competition. I think that's a huge one that people also do when they're thinking about, you know, is there a market for it? And I know we talked about this earlier um, that a lot of people will look and say, well, everybody's like, there's a bunch of people doing this already. Like I Google and there's a lot of people doing this. So there's no point in me doing this, but that's not necessarily true, right? Because that means there's a market for it. Think yeah. about pizza places. Like I live in a rural area, right? There is not much of nothing here, but I can tell you one thing that there is a plethora of in this area is pizza places. There's Pizza Hut, there's Little Caesars, there's Domino's, all in like a three block radius in this tiny little area. You yep. know what I mean? They could have looked at it and been like, well, there's already a pizza place. There's not a point. Yep. But they didn't. Why? Because there was a market for it. They knew there was a market for it. Yep. And, you know, I think that's one of those things that like you have to kind of look at it both ways to say, you know, is there a market for it? Okay, there's already places here that are in existence and it seems like, you know, they're busy, right? So that that would be kind of like step one, right? And then you need to ask yourself, like, how do I differentiate, right? What What is my offering to say, you know, that I have this and this is how, you know, I differentiate from, you know, quote unquote, the competition. So that's one thing you think about. Another thing is, you know, you can think about untapped niches within that, right? So maybe it's a- yeah, adding to it. Yeah. So there's three yeah, pizza absolutely. places, but maybe you do like a fire oven pizza place, right? You know, pizza is huge in that area. If there's three and like three, well, but add to that. So it, like, if you're yeah. doing the pizza thing, what else can you add to it? Like, so if somebody is eating pizza, what else will they add to? Absolutely. That, to that was going to be like my next thing. You can change the already yes. offered thing, or you can say, you know what? Pizza that like people that like pizza also like, you know, beer or they like, well, and, well, and know, I'll give you an example because this is happening in our own family. So if we go out for pizza, my wife doesn't eat any gluten, neither does my daughter. And yeah. so if from a pizza place, what would you do? I mean, we have one pizza place here that was smart enough to add a gluten-free pizza to their menu. And frankly, that's the place that we go because yeah. now I have something that will offer it to uh, and include everybody like in our family. And so then all of a sudden now they've got a gluten-free. And then you also have your flatbreads. And then some of the people are actually going into what they call them grinders up here. So it's like a, a sub sandwich that they run through the, the pizza oven to make it a hot sandwich. Mm -hmm. And then they melt it. I mean, so like there's a lot of ways to be able to increase that market just in that illustration of the pizza itself. And, Absolutely. and cater to the same people that don't, maybe don't want pizza every night. Well, and that, that, you know, helps you dive into untapped niches as well as underserved segments of the population. Like you mentioned with the gluten-free, like our family primarily eats gluten-free. We only have a couple of people that really are need to be gluten-free, but it's just easier as a family to just do gluten-free. Yeah. Right. So, and another thing that we're very big on, you know, where, um, is, is eating clean. Like I'm always looking for what are cleaner opportunities, you know, yeah. like what are some cleaner options? So places that have cleaner options for food, if I have that option there, I'm going to go there. So think about, you know, again, your area and what are some underserved segments. And even if you're not going to create an entire business around those, maybe you have a small offering. Like you said, the pizza place near you has, you know, a gluten-free pizza offering. It doesn't mean everything there is gluten-free, right? But they have a gluten-free, you know, offering. Right. And I think those are ways that you can kind of think about some underserved and untapped niches kind of in your area and think about if that is something that would be a potential, you know, scale-up opportunity. Yeah. The, the, be the best thing that I can add to this, and this is where uh, some of the blue ocean strategy comes into play. I would highly recommend, especially if you're looking for an opportunity area, is to go through the blue ocean strategy and then mark out where you sit on a scale compared to your competition. And then understanding that if you adjust and you change your competition area or you let's say you serve a different uh, circus. Soleil is a, a great example of how they change the entire circus 
industry where they went from charging $5 a ticket to charging $100 a ticket. I mean, that's a big difference, but they offer it in different ways and their scales are completely different. Um, lots of great research when it comes to understanding your demographic and knowing the brand voice that you have and being able to do that. So again, being careful because we talked at the very beginning about acquisitions and mergers or uh, bringing in another company, starting a whole new company, that low hanging fruit is always going to be within your own demographic. There's Absolutely. already a voice, a brand voice that you have. There's already a trust aspect. They already like what you've got going. So that's the easiest market to break into and expand compared to all of a sudden, Hey, I see a, you're a pizza company. All of a sudden you're going to buy a t-shirt company. I mean, like those are, those are, different worlds. Why, how would they ever come together? And it's a very risky opportunity to go into a t-shirt business when you're strictly a pizza business. Now, I, I think that's a good point to hit because, you know, there are lots of opportunities as we discussed, you know, in, in last episode, yeah. uh, but there you have to think about, you know, are these the low hanging fruit? Are these my needle movers? I like to use that term. And I know that's, you know, well used, but I think it's fitting, right? What are, is this going to move the needle? Yep. you know, in a way that I wanted to go. Is it going to follow my North Star, as you like to say, Tim? Yeah. Is it is it is it is it an alignment? Right. right. I think those and are things. Brand voice is key in this. Brand absolutely. Because here, here's a great here's a great illustration. I went as a, as a I, we owned a t-shirt company, and as we were going through, I had the owner of the of the company come to me and said, "Well, I really like." It was a Gildan t-shirt. I really like Gildan t-shirts. I like the way they fit. I like the way they wear. And I told him, like, I frankly don't care what you like or what you think. I care what the customer thinks and what the customer is purchasing. Because the brand voice that was created in the t-shirt company was based on our customer. And if you violate that brand voice, it is going to significantly hurt your business and there's lots of illustrations we could use on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I know another thing that you know, I think is important to talk about is just market changes, right? Being able to adapt yeah. or innovate because you can have a product or a service that has been quote unquote timeless, like, right, for your entire, you know, business yep. journey. And then something happens in the market or, you know, even within your own business or that it makes you have to think kind of outside of the box and adapt. And, you know, I think that is something that is critical to think about, you know, way before things can happen. Like what are some other, like you, like we were talking about low hanging fruit. And even if you're not ready to scale up at that moment, I think it is a great strategy to kind of have those identified yes. that you can pivot into at any given yep. moment. Yeah. 10 years ago was social media. Uh, well, 15 yep. years ago was social media. Social media came along and basically changed the landscape of how we do business. It was more of a relational kind of a interaction. Uh, three years ago, we ended up with COVID. And so therefore, you no longer had the personal contact. You had to adjust and actually allow your voice to be heard either online or not in person or via Zoom. And especially restaurants, you had to adjust that. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing a huge rise in cost for whether it's a, a material good or a restaurant. And now you have to adjust again and maybe you shorten your We're having a labor shortage. Like all of these things that are from an economic level, there are things that you have to actually adapt for and adjust for. And whether that means that you're paying your employees more or you're shortening your hours or like there's a lot of different ways that you said you need to identify those and be able to adapt when the time is right because just those few, again, that's just our economics changing will make a huge difference in your business. Just, just that little bit. It, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, having those opportunities identify will allow you to take advantage of those if the need arises for whatever reason. And mm -hmm. also, you know, 
technology, right? Yeah. There's a big thing going on with all the AI right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Chat, people, it. Some people yep. hate it. There's like strikes. There's all kinds of things going on related to AI. But here's the reality of it. And I'm not going to get into good, bad, in between, whatever, because it yeah. to me, it doesn't even matter. It is, right? It just is. So, yeah. you know, as a business owner, I'm like, okay, well, there's certain aspects that I don't like about it, right? But how do I take the few things that is a benefit of it and I put that into use to help you know, leverage that technology to help my business. Yeah, the easiest thing I can use. Sorry, go ahead. The easiest illustration. <laughs> we got you. You go. <laughs> All right. So the easiest illustration that I can use is that goes back to when TV first came in, because we can mm -hmm. all understand, and most people our age group know who Mister Rogers is and Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. We know because we grew up with that, and we learned a lot from that, and we really loved that. When he was, when Mr. Fred Rogers was first introduced to TV, he hated it. He thought it was the worst thing in the world, but something flipped in his mind. And he said, well, this is a technology. And even though it's, I see a lot of harm, I'm going to use this technology for good. And hence, we now have Mr. Rogers neighborhood that has gone down and has changed many people's lives. I mean, he was the first individual to talk about the dangers of racism and how it's, it's not good to be racist. And he really helped a lot of kids get through a lot of stuff because he chose to use technology in a way that was helpful. We're at the same precipice right now with chat GPT or any of the AI stuff that's going on. You have a choice to be able to use it or not use it. That's your, that is entirely up to you. No. And, and I agree with that. And I also think that, you know, there are, you know, there is something to be said for being able to at least understand what it is how it's being used uh, to be able to make a critical decision on whether there's an aspect of it that is useful in your business. Um, and I think that that helps you even just understand any industry trends that may be going on. Yep. So even if you're like in a networking meeting or you're in a Zoom meeting, that you at least know what people are talking about when they're talking about some of these things, right? So even if you decide not to use it for whatever reason, I like Tim said, it's completely up to you, but it's important to at least understand what is it, what is it being used for? You know, what are some benefits that people are using it for? And I think those are, you know, kind of some You can't ways stay in the dark. You can't. I mean, it's it's social media is a good example, too, because I'll be honest, even me, I'm in digital marketing. When social media became a thing, I was like, I don't want to do I don't even want to deal with that. I ended up first doing like a business page for the farm for my farm. And I used it like that. And then it just slowly grew from there because I seen the benefits of it. Right. And I'm like, oh, lots of businesses can use this, you know, type of thing. But it's not like I just woke up and I was like, oh, my gosh social media, this is the best invention ever. You know, I was not like that. I actually was terrified that it was going to make people not as connected. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's kind of both sides of that coin. I think in some ways it has, you know, made people not as connected, but in some ways it's connected us more. I'm able to talk to family that's all over the place. Right. I'm able to share things with family that's all over the place because of social media. Um, but, you know, in other ways, I think I've also got to the point where it's like, that's how I communicate with them. I don't try to make the other effort, you know? So I yeah. think, again, there's both sides of every coin. It's like how are you, yeah. yeah. I think it's how are you, how are you, you know, identifying the opportunities there and how are you putting it into use in your own business in your life? Yeah. The last thing here, as far as when we're looking at it is just pivoting the business model. I saw this a ton in the restaurant field, especially as we hit COVID. Um, those that were able to do delivery excelled in the, yeah. Uh, COVID time and those that just tried to stick it within, you know, have people coming in and they didn't want to change anything. Those are the ones that really struggled. Uh, they yeah. really struggled throughout the whole COVID. And regardless of what you think about that, the ability to be able to adapt, 
your business model and focus on the things that are going to allow you to be more profitable and grow is going to be key as you step into the future. And I think that that is a good point to make because, you know, just kind of closing this out, identifying growth opportunities is critical and it's a critical part of your business success, but it's not easy. Right. And so by using the tools and strategies that we discussed today in this episode, you're going to be able to be a little bit better equipped to identify any opportunities that you may have for growth in your business to take your business or your company to the next level. So I just want to say thank you for tuning in today and we'll see you next time on Business Acceleration Playbook for our startup scale-up strategies.